Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 381. I nodded slowly. You make a good point, Your Grace. Our power has limits we can extend, but not indefinitely. Alvaron held up a finger. But it is only the first type of power. We are only limited if we rely upon the power we ourselves possess. There is still the type of power that is given. Do you understand what I mean by granted power? I thought a moment. Taxes? Hmm, the mayor said, surprised. That's a rather good example, actually. Have you put much thought into this sort of thing before? A bit, I admitted, but never in these terms. It is a difficult thing, he said, sounding pleased by my response. Which do you think is the greater type of power? I only had to think for a second. The inherent, your grace. Interesting. Why do you say that? Because a power you possess yourself cannot be taken away, your grace. Ah! He raised a long finger as if to caution me. But we've already agreed that type of power is severely limited. Granted power has no limits. No limits, your grace. Alvaron nodded his head in concession. Very few limits, then. I still didn't agree. The mayor must have seen it on my face because he leaned toward me to explain. Let's say I have an enemy, young and strong. Let's say he has stolen something of mine, some money. Are you with me? I nodded. No manner of training will make me the match of a quarrelsome twenty-year-old. So what do I do? I get one of my young, strong friends to go and box his ears. With that strength, I can accomplish a feat which would be otherwise impossible. Your enemy could box your friend's ears instead, I pointed out as we rounded a corner. An arching trellis turned the path ahead of us into a shaded tunnel, thick with deep green leaves. Let's say I got three friends together, the mayor amended. Suddenly I've been granted the strength of three men. My enemy, even if he were very strong, could never be as strong as that. Look to the cellus. Terribly difficult to cultivate, they tell me. We entered the shadow of the trellis tunnel where hundreds of deep red petals blossomed in the shade of leaf and arch. The smell was sweet and tremulous. I brushed a hand across one of the deep red blooms. It was unspeakably soft. I thought of Denna. The mayor returned to our discussion. You're missing the point anyway. What is the point? We'll never know because the page is over. My name's Nick. I'm Jordana. So something that I forgot to bring up yesterday, but that I meant to, is that uh, there are cellus flowers in the garden and our our main characters go and to give them a whiff. And that's when Quoth uh, kind of thinks of Denna because he compared to compared her to a cellus flower once. Is this the first time cellus flowers are mentioned or is it... They're mentioned prior to this. I think this is the first time he sees them. Like, I think that they have been spoken of before because he compares Denna to them. But I don't think that Foth has been in the presence of a Celis flower prior. Yes. Or at least if he was, we didn't know about it. Because doesn't Denna ask something like, if I was a flower, what would I be? Because they talk about what each of them would be. Yeah, they do. They talk about that in the previous book when they're on one of their dates. See, I don't read Quoth as giving in to the mayor here. I read him as knowing exactly how far he can assert himself without overstepping the bounds of social propriety. And I think that the mayor actually is surprised at first, which is why he's a little cross with Quoth on the previous page. But I actually think that he appreciates not being toadied to and actually being able to have a conversation with someone who disagrees with him. Yeah, I sort of see this page as Quoth testing the waters it's like seeing exactly where is the right place to to stop disagreeing with someone 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think the mayor enjoys having someone who pushes back at him, but uh, not too much. <laughs> he still wants to win the argument. But I mean, this isn't even the kind of argument that I think he has an interest in winning. I think it's like the good kind of argument where you're actually both trying to find your way to the correct answer to the question of like which kind of power is more important. I think the mayor has an opinion, but I don't think that he is... I think he's willing to be swayed or convinced. And I think that he appreciates the counterexamples that Quoth, who comes from a very different perspective than him, can give him. And vice versa, right? Like Quoth has not Quoth says, you know, I've never thought about this in this way before, because they come from such different social and economic backgrounds that they have different conceptions of what kinds of power there are and how they are best used. I imagine also the mayor probably enjoys a bit of like a conversational challenge in this way. Like he does have to, like he feels the need to convince Quoth of his point and goes to lengths to explain it because when Quoth is quiet, he decides to explain it further. And I think that he probably enjoys Quoth's pushback be- because it gives him the opportunity to accept the challenge of convincing him. Yeah. And I think it also has the effect of letting the mayor get to know what kind of person he is so that when he finally entrusts him to the, with the task, uh, he will, you know, know how he might react. I think it's all part of the, uh, the, the vetting talk about a job interview. Am I right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's already started to get paid though. So, yeah, this is one of those fancy job interviews where they like Google flies you to San Francisco San Francisco and puts you up for a week while you do all their complicated computing tests and whatever. Yeah, kind of. Does Google actually do that? Yes, they absolutely yeah. do that. Wow. All, all the big tech companies do. They wine and dine you. But it's also like grueling. Like you have, you know, eight meetings in a day with different teams and And they, and they like make you people. solve programming problems like on the fly. Like here's a whiteboard, solve this problem for me. Yeah. Not not that they're exp- but again, they're not expecting you in those situations to like give them the correct answer. They want to see how you go about solving the problem. And like a if you understand the common techniques that people who do that kind of job use to solve those kinds of problems and b like what kind of approach you take and is it like interesting or different. You know, there's there's no like wrong answers necessarily. Well, I think it depends who you uh which company you're on. Yeah, and what you're doing, I, I suppose. See, mm-hmm. what we just did there is an example of what Quoth uh, and the mayor are doing in this conversation, which is they're both allowing for nuance, right? Neither of them is stuck in the position of my position is correct and I will not hear any counter arguments and I will not accept like niggling points that don't quite line up, don't quite line up with my worldview. No, when Quoth pokes a hole in the mayor's argument, he goes, Okay, you're right. I hadn't considered that. So let me amend what I was saying to account for that exception, which is a much better way to actually get at the truth or like, you know, a satisfying answer than both parties just like screaming at each other that the other one is wrong and a troll and a Russian bot or whatever. I feel like troll and Russian bot might not fit with our narrative, just like dad jokes. There could be trolls. Okay, fine. But this is a different kind of troll. Yeah, they like live under bridges. You know, you have to cauterize their limbs after you cut them off so they don't grow back oh i didn't know that about trolls yeah very famously you need to uh you need to put fire on any wounds that you've caused uh, caused on them or else they will 
heal. My troll that. research is obviously quite lacking. I should mm. I should really brush up on that. Well, they're usually quite a high CR for when you first encounter them. They're, what is they're CR? One of the more challenge rating. They're they're okay. some of the. It's like. If you're a young party, by the time you first encounter a troll, you're probably going to have a lot of trouble. They're like one of the earlier monsters that have a mechanic that you're likely to encounter. Mm-hmm. Rather than just being able to like wear them down through attrition. You, know, you, you can't just reduce them to zero hit points because they'll regenerate. You have, to, you have to do something else. We've reduced this page to zero hit points. So let's move on to a letter before it regenerates. Uh, we have a letter from Gary who writes on pages 370 to 371. Hi, Pagers. First, thank you to Eric for your Sanderson take. Second, I have been curious as to how you're allowed to read the book on air in its entirety. Is it because you're reading it in small chunks and therefore it can't be considered as a replacement for an audiobook version? Is it because you're not really commercializing it? Thanks. Signed, Gary. Great question, Gary. We did some research when we first embarked on this journey because we had the same thought. Uh, If we're reading the book in its entirety, are we... Uh, Are we plagiarizing it? And what we've sort of settled on is that our use of it arguably falls under fair use. We also agreed that if we ever do get a cease and desist, we will comply with it. But for many reasons, we believe that our reading the book aloud uh, falls under fair use. First off, uh, we are citing the original text in order to comment on it in the same fashion that one might if they were a a review blog it's for the same reason that like review youtube videos can take clips from from the movies that they are that they're talking about uh we're also not suggesting that we created it um we are giving due recognition where it is we're also arguably uh increasing the value of the work by doing this we are not uh diminishing it or attempting to create a workaround to accessing the work. I think if somebody wanted to pirate the book by listening to us read it, uh, it would be a lot of work and nobody would do that. So I I think we're not offering a way to access the work that is a, a more effective way than purchasing it. So all this is to say that we strongly believe that our work falls under fair use, but we're also absolutely willing to comply with uh, the Rothfuss estate should the need arise. Uh, but that's a great question. Yeah, when he sends around a lorry full of flat-nosed geezers to do our heads in, we will comply. Wait, you're telling me that we're going to let them... Sorry, what did you say? Do do our heads in? That's right. Yeah. Doesn't that mean, like, cut our heads off? I'm not letting anybody cut my head off. You have it coming, Jordana. We all have it coming. Yeah. When you committed plagiarism by being a part of this podcast, you submitted yourself... To having some flat-nosed geezers stove your head in. Mm-hmm. I feel like a flat-nosed geezer is a very specific thing that probably comes from something that is old and I have yet to, to research. But um, what is Yes, it? it comes from the oldest thing of all, England. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very British. That's, that's fair. Yeah, Jordana, when, when we've finished recording this episode, I'll post some pictures of flat-nosed geezers in the chat. All right. Yeah. Uh, and listeners, uh, you too can send some flat nosed geezers to enact copyright law upon us on tomorrow's page. Uh, the. Wind. Wind.